Welcome to Hormone Health Podcast, brought to you by Georgia Hartman and Chloe Sheehan. This podcast is an extension of Hormone Health Studio, which is our naturopathic clinic based here in Newcastle and online. We're just two naturopaths who love a laugh, coffee, croissants, and conversations about real people with real health concerns. Nothing's off limits. We're here to educate you on what's happening in your body, share emerging research, and debunk buried health misconceptions. So sit back and let us do the talking. Today we are interviewing Kate. She is a good friend of mine, my old boss and the operations manager at North Shore Speech Therapy. Plug, Lauren's going to love that. (laughs) Kate, you promised that I wouldn't introduce you as some crazy pom I used to work with who has a fucked up cervix, but here we are. (laughs) Here we are with my fucked up cervix. (laughs) Um, We are talking to you today about your cervix and about your journey through fertility and pregnancy. So I'd love to hear from you a bit about what's been going on and the start of your sort of cervical health journey. Yeah, so when I was moving to Australia in 2015, my mum was like, you've got to have a pap smear because I'm part of the the Jade Goody era, we call it, in the UK. I don't know if you guys have it over here, but she was a very famous reality TV star who – died from cervical cancer at 25. Oh my gosh, I hadn't heard of that. Yeah, it was massive for for the UK. And because I was 25 when I moved over, my mum was like, get that checked off. Got it checked, everything came back fine. Thought nothing more of it because in the UK, your tests are every five years when you have regular um, results. And then in 2016, I'd started a visa process and you had to have like full body health checks. And they said, do you want to have one? And I was like, sure, why not? And then got a phone call and they were like, you need to come in ASAP. You're level three slash level four. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I've got cancer. (laughs) It feels like that when you get that result. And how old were you? I was 20. I would have been 26 then. Okay. So I was devastated. I remember my boss at the time and her just looking at me like, all right. And I genuinely thought I was going to die and then had to get the train home and call in my partner at the time who was also just like, get over it. And I was just remember thinking, oh, my God, am I being like dramatic or am I going to die? Yeah. And then, well... yeah, having to book into uh, see a gyno which I'd never done before. And I found that really overwhelming. I remember just sitting in the waiting area crying, then not being able to talk to her about what had happened because I was just so terrified. And then when you hear, you know, oh, well, this could be cancerous stage and you have to have emergency surgery, you literally think you're going to die. Because it is actually classified as precancerous cells. And that's that's what they said. As soon as you hear the C word in any sort of conversation, you're like, oh, my God, this is it. I'm Jay Goody. I'm going to be her, <laughs> like, not funny, but I was uh, terrified and comparing myself to her. Um, and then, so they had to do a biopsy there and then, which is by far, I say this before going into labour, the most painful experience I've had. Um, I was so they, saying yeah. it in the, in, like, in the intro to Georgia that when I had my biopsy, it's it's like a hole punch, and I know that's graphic, but it's like, you you know, your legs are open, you, you're in, like, a, just a chair with no pain medication, and it's just a sound of, oh. Yeah, 
and it's the little tissue they give you after as well and they're like if you bleed there's a pad there and it's like it's not the most glamorous thing <laughs> I mean you're like, like mate oh. I need a chocolate I need a hug <laughs> I just remember the pain of it sort of going through your whole body because this cramp comes on and it takes over your whole stomach it was awful anyway after that I had emergency let surgery and they removed everything <clears throat> And then I went back to the gyno and I remember her drawing me a diagram and saying, well, they didn't quite get everything. And I was like, what does that mean? So she drew a photo of a cervix on a bit of paper and showed around the edges how some was left. And I was like, but if it was precancerous, I don't want to leave that for a year. Does that mean I'm going to die in the next year? But they were sort of playing it down. But I just remember thinking, please make this make sense to someone that doesn't get it. And just really feeling like, anything could happen within the next year. So I found the next year really difficult when I had to wait essentially for another pap smear. Went for another pap smear, still irregular. And then that's when they're like, we'll do another biopsy, now go away. We'll do another biopsy, go away. And that was continuous from, for the next four years, every 12 months was irregular, sent me away. And you were in Australia at this point? Yeah, yeah, I was in, this is all over here. Did you find the process any different? Um, well, I was seeing the gynecologist that I'd seen was fantastic. She was so supportive. And because I was emotional, she was really compassionate, actually. And then I had moved to, <laughs> funny story, had an argument with their receptionist. Oh, no way. I can't <laughs> imagine that. Can we pause <laughs> there and dive a little deeper? I need context. What's the tea? <laughs> So I'd had a fight with the, well, I didn't have a fight. I, I love that it started as argument and turned into a fight in no, like no. a second. <laughs> it was not physical. Basically, they were a gynecologist. Oh, good. I'm so glad you clarified <laughs> you didn't have a physical fight with the administration <laughs> lady. could have gone that way with my anxiety. Basically, they it was a gynecology clinic and I'd been waiting for about 90 minutes and I was really anxious. And I just, and I remember intentionally being really polite and saying to the receptionist, how long, much longer do you think it's going to be? And she turned around to me and said, do you think you're more important than a baby being born? And I was like, no, absolutely not. I just would like to know when I'm being seen. And then she was like scolding me from across the room. And that's when my real brick came out. And I was like, are you trying to intimidate me? <laughs> I was so annoyed. <laughs> Got the appointment for free. I had Did to you? Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, that reminds me when you when you got a bad pedicure and you went back and got it for free. I was like, you are. <laughs> I didn't request it for free, but the gynecologist had overheard how she'd spoken to me and just said, that's not OK. I know how stressed you are. Uh, your service is still ruined, by the way. <laughs> but the session's for free. So I ended up moving to a different gynecologist after that. Normal paps, uh, not a normal pap smear, had a pap smear from a GP, was referred to a different gyno. And then I remember sitting there preparing for the biopsy and she just looked and was like, no, we don't need to do a biopsy. And that was like my first positive. So I was like, oh, could they just eyeball this and not actually have cut me all these other times before? Because by then I'd had four biopsies. Oh, my gosh, four separate or like... Four separate times you've had biopsies? Four separate. So from 2016 to 2020, I'd had one every year, 12 months. So I had to have six months pap smears and then um, annual biopsies. And that's when someone had said to me, 
the likelihood of you being able to carry a child is really thin which I later found out was actually quite a throwaway comment because when I'd investigated it, there's actually, they can put stitches into your cervix to make sure that it's stable enough. But, but this just... is like what they, you know, I think health anxiety <clears throat> is so real because yeah. you just, you take literally what your specialist says to you yeah. and you hear precancerous, you hear have to remove part of the cervix, you mm. may struggle to hold a pregnancy to term. Like these are all things that stay with you and yeah. even just their language. And we, you know, I shouldn't say this, but it's a generalization that some specialists don't have the best bedside manner. Yeah year after year for you that must have just been terrifying those appointments it was awful and especially when they said I think the baby thing was the biggest thing for me because I was mm-hmm. close to 29 30 then so that's when I was start, sort of thinking gosh I what if I'm, I'm not going to be able to have kids I was terrified it was devastating for me then because I could not let it go and then you start seeing people with babies and you're like, oh, my God, I don't think that's ever going to be me. I wasn't even wanting a kid at that particular point, but you think so far in advance when you get sort of news like that. And then, yeah, I checked with a doctor maybe six to 12 months later and she was like, nah, they can stitch that up. And I was like, I can't believe I've nearly killed myself for this over like the last 12 mm. months. And it's like so blasé. So you didn't have to get another biopsy mm. or another let's procedure? I haven't yet, but I've had to have, so since, uh, so 2017 to, so 2018, 19, 20, yes, yeah, so for the last four, no, I'm lying, sorry, 2020, 2020 to 23, I've had annual pap smears, no biopsies, but they have said, because I'm pregnant now, I wasn't able to do the pap smear, which I would regularly have in August, I have to wait until after baby's born. And then they'll continue. Do they that, at all give you like any advice that may be helpful to clear the HPV or was it just come back? There wasn't any other advice for that. No, I literally get a phone call and just say, yep, still abnormal. See you in 12 months. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I still have no idea. Like I'm just sort of winging it. And do I go down another avenue of sort of delving deeper? But whilst it's, only show because they've changed whilst I've been going through this process they've changed how they administer the tests Mm. so now it shows up as the different HPV areas and I always fall under that HPV other okay so not like the the main cervical cancer ones yeah so it's always other so because they don't seem concerned I'm like okay not concerned and you know I've done like online research for what HPV other is and it could be there's like hundreds anything. of different strains of, of HPV. Exactly. So it just could be anything. It's so funny because this all happened when I was with an ex-partner and when we'd separated, my mum was like, and I got another irregular one. She was like, oh, I thought it was him. Was like, <laughs> 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 like chucking in your hate for him a little bit more, you know. <laughs> it really made me laugh. <laughs> well, who knows? It like interestingly this is a bit of a segue but your first intimate partner can sort of form your vaginal microbiome mm-hmm. um I think yeah yeah did you get the uh vaccine in the UK at school I did I did yeah and I wonder actually if the results that came back from that initial perhaps me were incorrect because I'm not sure how with how gradually it grows or from what I've learned about it it shouldn't go from absolutely clear to 
precancerous within 12 months and I actually don't even think it would have been 12 months at that point because the visa process started quite quickly for me so I think it would have been around eight to ten months so mine went from grade like minimal grading to um precancerous within the 12 months oh as well okay cool oh that's good to know I've always been like they messed it up in the no no cervix sisters I do remember like hearing from you uh or hearing this story from you because I came to you as my uh you were my manager and I was like I need to have I was like hey is it okay if I have some time off for my surgery you're like yes and then you're like let's go get a coffee I got a story to tell you (laughs) yeah you're just so blase about pretty big things and have my leg chopped off can I take day off <laughs> the yeah, afternoon yeah. I'll be back by noon <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah should be fine I'll just bring my super pad um <laughs> the let's procedure is a, I don't know for you Kate but I found the let's procedure a lot easier recovery than the biopsies yeah agreed just because you're under general you don't sort of feel it and they're using yeah I was high as a yeah. kite I loved it oh <laughs> <laughs> it was great and I just remember waking up saying I want a Big Mac I really want a Big Mac and the nurse saying to me you shouldn't do that and then I had one and then vomited I I should have listened to her I bet bet she was like I told her (laughs) um sorry I totally interrupted you when you were saying you had your like your last sort of pap smear before you fell pregnant and were you saying that they sort of had some recommendations around like the pill that you were on or no, no, nothing. About coming off the pill? Oh, no. So I went to the doctors randomly because I'd found a lump in my boob. And, like, it wasn't like, oh, my God, this has now moved to my breast. I just, it just didn't feel right. So I just went and got a regular check. They're like, Kate, it's a nipple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> third nipple you didn't know about. So about that. <laughs> so, yeah, I just went to get um, checked. And she was like, oh, it could be hormonal. When's the last time you had a period? And I was like. That, that eight years ago <laughs> because I found my period pains to be so horrendous because of all of the bi- what I'm assuming maybe because of all the biopsies because it was from them my period cramps were so bad that I just took the pill continuously so I didn't have to have a period <laughs> so and I did that for so long so she was like I'll come off the pill and I'm yet to have a period but the lump did go <laughs> but I felt so, pregnant so hang on so hang on you're pregnant congratulations thank you are you saying you came off the pill after not having a period for eight years and you conceived without ever getting a period yeah within two weeks oh my goodness that is I know congrats like you need to put that on your resume I know and I'm <laughs> technically a geriatric geriatric pregnant woman because <laughs> of my age so <laughs> I love it. I love being a geriatric. I, I can't believe that they classify that as geriatric when majority, I know. like majority of people are having children late sort of 20s, early 30s. I, I actually remember telling you, Chloe, when I was pregnant and you were like, how do you even do that that well? <laughs> how, are you, how are you so good at everything? <laughs> <laughs> there's me, like, there's me, like, making sure, like, I hold my nose if, like, there's someone, like, passively smoking or, like, you know, I'm, like, making sure I eat my five veggies, two fruit, and you're just like, yeah, let's see how quick I can get pregnant. Honestly, while I'm, like, dosing myself up on full-fat sugar drinks and Big Macs, like, zero cares in the world, and, and I'm very grateful, but I was so surprised. I actually didn't even do a pregnancy test. Because yeah. I just, I didn't think it could happen. And I was talking to you, Chloe, a lot about when should my um, periods start and all that sort of stuff. And it was like, 
three months in and I was like, well, still haven't had a period. <laughs> I'll go and get tested. I did a blood test and was like, this will be why. How far along were you when you found out? Uh, I was about eight weeks. Yeah. Oh <laughs> it was just so what a quick. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So I came off the pill in November, end of November, and was pregnant before the end of December. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. You wow, don't muck around, do you? No. And and my partner was in New Zealand at the time, and I was like, "So whose is it?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does he know? Does he listen to the podcast? <laughs> no. No, I did tell him I'm going to be famous after this one, and he was like, "Well, don't let him knock at the front door <laughs> <laughs> somewhere else." <laughs> so, Kate, with yes. your cervix, then what did like did your doctors say anything? You know, about having to explain because I know that you've said this to me before. One of the hardest things is um, that during this pregnancy, seeing different midwives or doctors you have to sort of reiterate your story again and again do you find that stressful or anxiety inducing it's just I find it annoying actually because you give all of the information you need you have reports but I've actually been to three hospitals during this pregnancy because of my own you know moving around <laughs> because you you keep fighting with all of the admin <laughs> yeah. just having fights with all the reception <laughs> no well I started at RPA and then moved to Liverpool Hospital and then moved house again so I've moved to the three of them and every time you see a midwife or a doctor and you say I've had um, issues with my cervix they all give you the look of doom Mm. every single one of them and it's like I'm not worried about it I'm not or I'm not not worried about it but I'm not going to worry about it until I need to because what it's not going to benefit me in any way you know stressing about something that's out of my control um but I've had I think 12 scans this whole pregnancy for them to check my cervix which is great and every time I tell my mum she's like at least they're thorough and I'm like but it's internal every time mum and it ain't comfortable (laughs) though yeah and then you go where it depends where you get the scan and some people are weird you know, like I had, you mean? Really, I had a really weird guy who was clearly petrified of vaginas and just kept talking, saying, you know, this is going to be internal and you must sign that you're okay with it. And I was like, gosh, I haven't done that on the other eight. Are you all right? <laughs> I was so nervous. About <laughs> you're like, go on, just have a look, get it over and done with. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, give me the wand. I actually started undressing while he was still in the room and he was like, wait, wait, wait. And I was like, mate, just get, get it in there. Get it done. Let's go. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and that's how you conceived. <laughs> It's also <laughs> reflective of how I'm in the position I'm in. <laughs> yes, there does seem to be a very fine timeline there. So I'm not asking <laughs> questions or alluding to anything. I just wonder whether there will be a paternity test once the baby's here. That's my only question. If the baby comes um, out, no. <laughs> honestly, you, we've, we've had we've had scans and you can start to see the face and I was like, I can't believe he looks just like you. He oh. literally is identical to his father already. And he was like, of course he is. Oh, gosh, of course. Father's you punch. have to go through all of that. Um, So your cervix is looking okay? The cervix has been nice and thick the whole time, which is a, my new favourite thing to say, that I've got a thick cervix. Yeah, girl. She's <laughs> Purely because it makes people uncomfortable. I love it. <laughs> it makes me feel happy. I sort of like that descriptive. Yeah, but you're strange. Yeah, I am. <laughs> My goal is for a thick cervix. <laughs> Had a nice thick cervix consistently. Yeah. yeah. But um, I need to have a 
another patch near once babies here and then if that shows up as irregular I have to have another biopsy mm, but okay. you're all okay for birthing like does your birthing options change well that's why I need to go back to the hospital on Wednesday because they haven't given me my birthing options yet and I'm nearly 38 weeks so I think the hospital is a little bit behind so I actually don't know I don't know how far they let me go um, but based on the scans and stuff I've had they're not concerned about the thickness of my cervix yeah, but I just okay. I don't know. Yeah, because you do hear people who, um, who unfortunately have like the insufficiency of their cervix who do have to have a stitch or so. I think that's that right. Was yeah, popularized recently with Courtney Kardashian. I think potentially. Oh, was that her? Yeah, I, was, I, I don't I know. know. She got rushed into hospital, but I'm not. Yeah, not a fan like you are, Plo, clearly. No, <laughs> George is the fan. I'm a sub fan. Um, but yeah, you do hear of those things happening. Um, that was one of the questions we were going to ask you: the steps, next steps after giving birth. It's like you still have to have your updated procedure. Just yeah, back to normal. Basically, it was basically put it on hold until baby's here, um, and then we'll just get back at it. But I'm not sure how much longer I can go with twelve months yeah it's abnormal just keep coming back like it's just it's been such a regular cycle since 2015 mm. when is the end when is the end point is there ever going to be an end point and I remember Chloe when you finally got yours and they came back clear I was like oh it does happen it's not just a regular thing that sits with you forever you know <laughs> I am good at one thing clearing HPV <laughs> <laughs> nice thick cervix and yeah hopefully <laughs> Hey, that was absolutely fascinating. We wanted to wrap up with our little segment, Quickie in Three. And if you listen to us every week routinely in your nighttime bath, you are familiar with this segment. So our first question for you is, knowing what you know now, is there anything you wish you advocated for through this journey? I think I probably would have asked more probing questions when uh, information that was given to me was difficult to hear you know like the um you probably won't be able to carry a child like rather than just going oh my god okay they're absolutely right asking what sort of what that means and how do I change is there a way to change that you know trying to get more information because I do think there are a lot of throwaway comments that are given by health professionals and they don't always understand the impact it could have on people and maybe actually saying that to them as well like do you understand the impact of those words that you're saying so that other people can get a different experience I feel like being older and wiser and a better communicator myself and geriatric 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 communicator with a thick service no that's your dj name (laughs) spin that shit thick cervix um Kate, what do you wish more girls or women knew about their reproductive and fertility health? I think everyone's journey is so different and not to compare yourself to others. And one thing that I've found out in my pregnancy journey is that women love to tell you the most negative things that have happened to them. And, you know, no one ever turns around to you and says, you're going to be a great mum. No one ever says this is going to be a great time for you. Everyone says, you're going to get skin tags. You're going to have a horrible, <laughs> you're going to have a horrible experience. You're never going to sleep again. And that's all you hear. And I'm not 
like I know it's not going to be the easiest journey when he's here, but to have a baby, I'll never sleep again. I don't care. You know, like no one ever turns around to you and says to you, this is going to be life changing. It's going to be great. Yeah. So my main thing would be to, I think it's great that people can share their own experiences from their perspective, but not to push the negativity uh, onto others. Yeah, I found when I was pregnant that people found it the perfect opportunity to tell me their bad pregnancy stories. And it's like, hey, yeah. this is like, I'm going to need to do some work to clear all of this. Like, yeah, it don't is. come into my it, space with this kind of energy. It actually made me not want to talk to people about it. I remember really enjoying the first three months of my own bubble and then just regretting anyone knowing because I was like you've really ruined my little happy place because now all you're saying is all these and they're trivial things but it's someone said oh you've not had any thickness you're gonna have the worst birth I was like cheers mate thanks thanks so much for that buzzing <laughs> like I can't really like relate to that as much but I guess from a from me from a miscarriage perspective people would even say oh at least it happened at six weeks because I had one at 10 weeks and it was so painful and I'm like like why honestly it gives me so much rage I get Um, so much rage yeah people always want to say you know a negative thing and this is a really good segue to my third question I have for you (laughs) and it's a would you rather about your birth I know that you're petrified of pooing whilst laboring so would you rather poo in front of (laughs) Cameron all your birthing partners and we're talking like post big meal, you know, backed up for a little while, or have a nice but intense birth in the car driving on the way to the hospital. Oh, as in like poo on the bed during labour in front of Cameron or have the baby in the car but don't poo. Yeah. I'd always go for the no poo option, definitely. <laughs> really in the car, <laughs> Yeah, because maybe I'd, you know, do another podcast about it, a doco somewhere, probably become <laughs> oh my famous because of my experience. <laughs> You'll be a real. I've just watched so many documentaries about weird births as well. I reckon I could cope yeah. with it. Are those, I I don't know if like my, yeah, whatever's like happening in my social media feed, but I'm seeing like all these like <laughs> post-highway births. <laughs> Cameron's got a ch- children from a previous relationship and his daughter was actually born in the car park and he has such phobia about it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. I was like. <laughs> he was already like, do you know where we need to take you? You might need a wheelchair because <laughs> yeah. uh, his daughter's mum literally got out of the car and <laughs> yeah in the car park yeah wow that's a good way to end (laughs) she didn't put herself (laughs) was that your only question (laughs) did she put herself at this time are we safe yeah right (laughs) it will be fine (laughs) thank you so much Kate it's Uh, been fascinating to talk to you and hopefully there's going to be listeners who this resonates with and just knowing that you can conceive with you know multiple abnormal cervical screenings and what that support looks like along the way thank you so much for your time and Kate you're going to be a wonderful mum oh thank you and you're gonna shoot yourself (laughs) (laughs) no I love you Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, leave us a review and follow us on socials. We'd love to hear from you.